This podcast of Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by BASF. Synex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us. Hope you had a great Easter weekend. I can only hope your weather was as good as mine here in central Illinois. We had just ideal weather. One of those Easter's that, you know, so many years you wish the weather was better for Easter activities. Well, the one we had yesterday was just ideal, and I hope you had a good one as as well. Of course, a lot of folks looking to see what the weather's going to be like this week. Uh, will we get uh, some more field work in this week or not? We'll check around the country with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. will be with us a little bit later on to take a look at that uh, very important weather forecast for this coming week. We're going to talk markets with Steve Nicholson with Robo AgriFinance, and we're going to talk with the CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers, Chandler Gould. We'll talk about that WTO ruling in favor of the U.S. against China. And that's uh, coming up a little bit later. We'll take a look at at it from a wheat perspective and what that means moving forward. So we're ready to kick off a new week. Let's check in with Spencer Chase at AgriPulse Communications. Spencer, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it, Mike. I got a belly full of jelly beans and veins full of sugar. Let's talk agriculture. (laughs) Yeah, kind of sugared up around my house, too. The grandkids had plenty of candy, that's for sure, and so did Grandpa. All right, let's uh, talk about some of the news of the week. Uh, Still kind of quiet from a congressional standpoint, right? Right. It's going to be quiet here again this week in Washington. Congress is, of course, on recess. So as I was, uh, I was joking with my dad uh, last uh, last night as I was speaking with him, he, I said, if you happen to run into one of your members of Congress, you know, give them a piece of your mind instead of me for once. And he said, yeah, if I see him in the cow yard, I'll do that. I'm guessing a lot of uh, a lot of the nation's farmers and ranchers are in a in a similar position. But yeah, Congress is uh, on a district work week again this week, but still do have some action pending. Uh, things like a Supreme Court case this morning, some administrative action, you know, that's going on. Still, still a busy time in the in the ag policy circles, just not specifically on Capitol Hill. Well, hopefully, when they get back in session, they'll be ready to do something on a disaster package. Right, and they actually had a field hearing on this subject uh, last week in Iowa. Uh, the uh, Senate Environment and Public Works Committee had kind of an abbreviated uh, abbreviated roster there. Just uh, just four members of the Senate were there in attendance, and interestingly enough, uh, three Democrat or excuse me, three Republicans and one Democrat. That being of uh, Kirsten Gillibrand of New York, who might have some alternate uh, motivations to be at a uh, field hearing in Iowa this time of year. I'll leave it up to your imagination as to why. But uh, I had the chance to speak with Joni Ernst of Iowa after the hearing, and she said that she was hoping that uh, Senator Gillibrand would take the message that she heard from some of these producers that were impacted by the flooding uh, back and hopefully uh, you know, be able to convince some of her caucus of the need for this, because as things stand right now, you know, the, the issue over Puerto Rico still looms very large uh, from what we've heard. Some of the uh, disputes, like you know whether or not there will be assistance for you know the impacted grain bins, that's been settled. It's just uh, trying to gin up the uh, the sufficient level of congressional support to actually move the disaster package. Spencer, what's the feeling there around Washington D.C. about uh, a trade deal with China? Are we indeed close? Well, I mean, it's hard to say because you know we'll we'll get close, and then all of a sudden a different media report will come out from a different outlet that says you know. Some, some less favorable things from from the from the nation of China, and so I think the, there is a certain level of optimism there. It's just that the the goalposts on a deadline have been moved a couple of times, and now at this point we're kind of wondering when there's going to be that certain sense of finality to it, and when there, you know, if and when an agreement will actually be reached. But I mean, folks do feel like progress is being made. It's just you know, for for a lot of the nation's farmers, ranchers, ag groups, etc. I mean, they want that deal done tomorrow. They don't want to necessarily hear about progress. Meanwhile, a couple of um, interesting cases we need to watch closely as far as uh, tools for farmers in their toolbox when it comes to whether, you know, what crop protection uh, products they're going to be able to use in the future. We have a couple of interesting cases pending here waiting for decisions uh, that could have quite, uh, could set some big precedents moving forward. Right, and our uh, our colleague Steve Davies has been doing a lot of the coverage on that for us, and he does, does an excellent job with that. But obviously, you know, as as California goes, so goes the country on a lot of these things, and uh, a lot of consideration being given to uh, not only Roundup, but also but also dicamba and chlorpyrifos out there. 
And so that's, uh, as you mentioned, the tools in the toolbox that a lot of folks are concerned about. You know, there, there's, you know, don't, don't pay, you know, strict attention to Roundup. Also, you know, pay attention to those other two inputs because those are also, you know, critically important to the nation's producers and they're being held under greater scrutiny. Yeah, chlorpyrifos, uh, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, has given EPA 90 days to decide whether to allow the use of that product. And uh, so everyone's going to be watching that closely because, as I said, each of these decisions sets a precedent moving forward. Right, and the EPA actually, uh, they authorized a Department of Justice lawyer at one point during negotiations, excuse me, uh, during oral arguments in a court case. They, they did authorize the DOJ attorney to say that they would be able to uh, issue a decision within within that time frame. Uh, you know, that's that's a commitment they've made. You know, whether or not they'll be able to live up to that commitment obviously remains to be seen due to a whole host of, uh, of other factors that can happen at the administrative level. But, you know, as, as you mentioned, they're getting somewhere on this, and it's definitely something that uh, that we're going to be keeping an eye on, and I, I'd encourage all of, uh, all of your listeners and all of our readers to do the same. All right, and then we're also, of course, uh, a lot going on, as we mentioned, on the trade front, so we're we're watching that. But we also had comment period end on waters of the U.S., so we're ready to move to, on to the next step in that ongoing process. Right, there's kind of a number of uh, EPA things that are pending right now. Obviously, you mentioned WOTUS, but there's also things like the like the E15 comment period that's coming to a close. There's a number of other number of other things that are keeping uh, keeping EPA busy over there. But obviously, uh, we, we didn't see a whole lot of dissent from the agricultural community on this new Waters of the U.S. rule. Where we saw the challenges came uh, was was from the environmental community. And they were really looking for, for something stronger from the Trump administration. They're really hoping for something more similar to what the Obama administration had proposed. And obviously, the Trump administration came in and withdrew that. And so uh, they're, they're uh, looking for you know, something that's going to be a little bit stricter on, on the, the waters of the U.S. rules. And it also can be assumed that if and when this, uh, this new Trump administration rule gets finalized, that that's going to be met with pretty, pretty swift legal action on the part of some of these environmental groups. Well, it seems like most of these big decisions wind up in court, don't they? Right. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, what what is it the com- common joke among farmers? If you've, if you've got a real real smart one, maybe send them to college and have them be a lawyer instead of having them come back and be on the farm. He might be of more use in the courtroom. <laughs> yeah, it seems that's where most of the decisions wind up, indeed, these days. And we have some big ones that, uh, as we've talked about, are pending. All right. Well, Spencer, enjoy the relative quiet of Washington, D.C. with the Congress out, and we'll see what the, I'm sure something will develop to keep us, uh, uh, keep our attention, right? Right, relative being of the very opportune word there, yeah. Mike. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Spencer. Take care. Yep. Appreciate it. Spencer Chase with AgriPulse Communications. So, uh, again, uh, Congress still on break this week, but hopefully many of those uh, members of Congress are while back in their districts are hearing about the need for some type of disaster aid package. We'll see uh, how quickly they can move on that when they get back. Still a big debate over uh, Puerto Rico, and we'll see if anything moves on that in the House. Well, all eyes on the skies. We continue to watch the weather. Will this be a week where more field work gets done? Are we going to have uh, more widespread uh, precipitation? We're going to talk about it with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. He'll give us the latest. That's next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Soybean growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee so you can have true peace of mind. And you can tap into our expanded Grow Smart Rewards program and get cash back. Go all in today at IngeniaHerbicide.com. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, clean water issues in this country. Let's talk about it with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation on the clean water rule. What's the next step? This rule which we believe is more balanced. We believe that it is also legally defensible. We also believe it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty, but I hope the uncertainty is now moving back near the center where we can 
live and operate our farms in ways that we're not in, in danger of, of running afoul of the law. It is going to take a while. You can expect EPA to spend a lot of quality time between now and the end of this year uh, preparing to finalize a rule that they can support. They've got to flesh out not only the, the decisions they make, but why and the rationale why they made those decisions. I think that is critically important, and that's critically important in, in making sure that it is legally defensible. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Keeping up on the latest in ag is a challenge, to say the least. But there are experts nearby ready to help. You'll find them at your local FS. You can trust them to bring you customized agronomic, grain, and energy solutions born of the latest thinking. That's because FS specialists receive continuous training that keeps them current on the latest trends, practices, and technologies. So you'll get local expertise that's both exceptional and up-to-date. Visit FSSystem.com to learn how FS is bringing you what's next. So you want to stay on top of the week's agriculture news and have it available at your fingertips. Well, tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast. It's 15 minutes of the week's top agriculture stories, published every Saturday and available anytime on iTunes, TuneIn, and Podbean, or by clicking the link on our website, AmericanAgNetwork.com. Tune in to the American Ag Network Week in Review podcast to go more in-depth on the week's top stories. Okay, men, this is your time. Maybe you didn't choose this, but you're here now. You're gonna go out there and be an all-star caregiver. It's up to you. So what are you gonna do? You're gonna go grocery shopping, cook, clean, be there emotionally and physically. You gotta dig deeper. Drive them to physical therapy, doctor's appointments. Don't you forget about the pharmacy. No, you won't, because that's what caregivers do. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. This is your time to show the world, your family, and yourself that you're tougher than tough. Now go out there and be the best caregiver this world has ever seen. Caregiving is tougher than tough. Find the care guides you need at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we welcome back from vacation, DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. Bryce, good to talk with you again. Thanks for being with us. Well, yeah, thank you, Mike. Nice to be back. Well, you know, we uh, continue to check the forecast and look for these windows of opportunities. Uh, what's this coming week going to be like as far as field work's concerned around the Midwest? It is going to be variable, and uh, I think that that's going to uh, probably be the case over the next uh, two weeks, actually. Uh, this week is uh, going to be a pretty good one uh, if you're south of, of uh, U.S. Highway 20. Uh, so that uh, is uh, going to take in probably the southern two-thirds of the Midwest, and that's where uh, the chances for getting field work going, uh, you know, catching up on fertilizer application, getting the planters uh, rolling, I think that's going to be a pretty notable feature during this week. And then that's going to extend south into the Delta and the southeast as well, because a big feature uh, this week is going to be to start out with high pressure that's out over the southeastern U.S., especially in western Georgia today, uh, and that's going to be a pretty big uh, influence in terms of keeping temperatures very warm and uh, allowing for some southerly breezes, along with kind of uh, shoving moisture into the northern third of the Midwest, but over, like I say, the remainder of the Midwest and then the southeastern uh, third of the country, uh, we're going to see temperatures that are uh, going to be kind of late spring, early summer-like, and that's going to be pretty good for getting field work done. And then over the next uh, couple days, uh, there's not going to be a whole lot of switching around, maybe a little bit of a passage of a cool front that brings in some light rain showers into the Ohio Valley and parts of the Missouri Boot Heel into uh, the southern half of Illinois. But um, we're not looking at uh, any real heavy rain in that part of the Midwest. Now, you get into the 
uh, northern third of the Midwest. We're getting some rainfall today. And uh, over the next uh, week to 10 days, there will be another cool front kind of drag into North Dakota on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night. And that could start to pop up a few showers for later this week, keeping the pressure on when it comes to uh, field work and uh, also uh, keeping the ground around the Red River Basin pretty wet uh, when, it, uh, when you think about the overall flooding uh, situation. So that's going to stay with us. Uh, so it really is going to be a highly variable um, weather pattern uh, during the next week. There's going to be progress made on a national basis, but regionally we are going to see some big differences. So no big major storm front about to move through or anything uh, that we should be watching for? Not on the or- not anything like we saw uh, on the order of uh, the big event here a couple weeks ago back on April the 10th. Uh, that uh, I'm kind of uh, going uh, back and forth in terms of uh, truly assessing whether that reached uh, bomb cyclone levels or not. Uh, It certainly wasn't as intense as the tremendous storm that uh, laid waste to much of the central part of the country back in mid-March. But uh, this week we're going to see a a cool front move through, but doesn't have the the kind of energy intensity with it that we saw here a couple weeks ago. And again, overall... That's a favorable weather feature, but again, regionally, uh, we do have some differences. I should mention that the Southern Plains is going to get pretty wet this week. Uh, Texas is going to see some locally heavy rainfall. Parts of Oklahoma will as well. I think uh, right now that that is a pretty good scenario for the winter wheat crop late uh, season going into heading. Also, it uh, gives moisture for thinking about the High Plains cotton crop, and uh, so that will certainly not be turned down by uh, growers in that part of the country. I was going to say, those are areas that typically we're talking about how dry they are. So, yeah, to be talking about rain for those areas uh, would be a positive. Yes, it would. And uh, and they will not turn that down. And, and uh, this rain is coming at uh, an early enough stage that, that uh, it's not going to be a real big impediment to uh, getting work done. And obviously it's going to be good for, uh, for pasture and everything for, uh, for the uh, cow herds in the southern plains talking with DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson. So, Bryce, it sounds like for much of the Midwest, it's kind of more of a, a, a normal spring scenario, unfortunately, because the preceding period has been anything but normal. Uh, it still leaves everyone kind of behind and just trying to catch up. Well, it really does. Uh, planning progress this week is going to likely be in that range somewhere around 5 6 7%, you know, somewhere in there. That actually is going to be about on track with where we were a year ago, Mike, uh, but it's going to be only about half the average because uh, the April the 22nd, 23rd time frame usually finds uh, corn planting around 12% done. So we're going to be behind that. That's on the five-year average. But uh, going into the end of the month next week and then into the first part of May, I think the overall pattern is still going to be pretty beneficial when you think about field work. And then just a little bit farther out, looking out uh, about three weeks or so, there's going to be, I think, a, a fair amount of attention. I'm, I'm not just going to say that, that all trade eyes are going to be focused on this one number because we're talking about it or because I'm mentioning it. But um, when you get to May the 10th, uh, the average corn planting pace since about the mid-1980s has been on the order of 60 to 65 percent. So, you know, close to two-thirds done. And uh, if we get to that uh, time frame here in about another couple, three weeks, and uh, we are, say, about 10 points or so behind that, I think then there could be some uh, more interest in discussing the possibility of maybe a little bit of an acreage cutback and, and so forth because of of uh, a planting delay on a national basis. But I think that uh, there still is a pretty good round of time yet, you know, about 10 days in April here, 10 days in May. So we're close to about another three weeks before this this benchmark date and that benchmark percentage uh, comes to pass. But there there obviously is going to be a a, a notable round of activity that we're going to have to see during the the next uh, two, two and a half weeks in order to uh, be able to reach some of these 
levels of progress piled in for so long. Yeah, and we know it can it can get done in a hurry, and but, and we're just now entering this, as you said, this really uh, uh, critical stretch here. I think uh, now we've moved past Easter, and we're here towards the latter part now of April, as you said, late April, early May. That's when we're really focused. the 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 key concern, though, is for those farmers that have been uh, hit so hard by the flooding this spring, their land is uh, so far away from uh, being able to uh, be planted. There's so much cleanup and preparation work yet to do. That just takes longer than uh, you would think uh, for this time of year, longer than normal. And in some cases, you have to wonder if they'll get it done this year or not. Oh, I think we're going to see uh, a drop in, in acreage uh, because of that. Now, now, how that plays into a national level is is uh, very hard to quantify. We know that, and, and nationally, the the acreage that's lost from particularly the bomb cyclone back in March, uh, you know, may may not uh, amount to that big a number on an aggregate level. But there there's no doubt, Mike, uh, that uh, that where this uh, where this thing hit. I mean, we we had a hurricane that that moved through. Uh, the western corn belt and uh, and where it hit it has it has just been a body blow um, you know i I continue to uh, to think about the uh, the impact of that storm since it it truly did hit in my backyard i mean not not literally but only about you know six miles away from my house in uh, the the western uh, areas of uh, the omaha Nebraska metro area. Uh, there are road closures, and my colleague Chris Clayton, uh, you know, tried to uh, to get out uh, over the weekend. Uh, he was telling me that uh, you know that you know that driving in in uh, you know western Iowa, northwestern Missouri is is just uh, you know still very very tedious because there are stretches of interstate that are closed. Anyway, the the impact of that uh, is uh, is going to be with us throughout this entire. Uh, growing season, and there are some some uh, areas that truly are not going to recover in time to be able to get back into action. Yeah, unfortunately for many uh, in those areas, 2019 will now be one of those benchmark years that uh, in the future we'll look back on set compared to that 2019 year. Definitely, and and uh, and there there is going to be uh, a, a a real uh, a, a, a real crunch. And it just points up to uh, to how much uh, rebuilding needs to go on, not just in in parts of the western Corn Belt, but in so many areas where uh, storm damage has been done. I mean, we had hurricanes hit in North Carolina last year, and in Alabama and Georgia and Florida, uh, where where things happened uh, on a on a real damaging basis. So there is a a lot of uh, agriculture that's been affected by some of these big events. Right. All right, Bryce, good to have you back with us. Thanks very much, Mike. DTM meteorologist Bryce Anderson here on AOA. Stay with us. Throughout soybean farming regions, growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide from BASF. They know it's the most flexible and advanced solution of its kind for tough weed control, especially resistant weeds. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia Growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia Herbicide Weed Control Guarantee. And this year, you can tap into our expanded season-long Grow Smart Rewards program. Get cash back for making the best agronomic game plan with Ingenia Herbicide and BASF's leading portfolio of soybean solutions. Want stronger performance and profits together with peace of mind? Go to IngeniaHerbicide.com to learn more. Grow Smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, 
which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. A defensive start to the grain and oil seed sector and livestock, too, in this final full trading week during the month of April. For the grains, trending lower in corn, wheat, and soybeans. USDA reported Friday a soybean meal sale to Colombia of 105,000 metric tons. The WTO handing the U.S. a win Thursday in a trade dispute with China, ruling that Beijing did not fairly administer quotas on U.S. wheat, rice, and corn. That case was started by the Obama administration, not directly related to the larger U.S.-China trade standoff that's currently underway. Cash cattle activity expected to remain quiet as we begin this trading week. Traders looking over the cattle on feed report from Last Thursday afternoon, cattle and calves on feed, totaling 12 million head on April 1st. That's the highest April 1st inventory since the series began by USDA back in 1996. On the futures board, we've got minus signs with April live cattle down 12 cents an hour into the day at 128.40. Feeder cattle, August contract down 97 at 159.65. Clean hog futures, June down 50 at 96.25. For the grain and oil seed sector, new crop November soybeans down 3 at 9.10 and a half. December corn down a penny and three quarters at 384 and a half. Chicago wheat July down 6 and a quarter at 442. Kansas City July down 5 and a half at 420 and a quarter. Minneapolis spring wheat September down 2 and three quarters at 534. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Sometimes life is wonderful, and sometimes it's not. Cherish the good, but always be prepared for life's challenges. At Private Healthcare, we provide the peace of mind you deserve. With Private Healthcare, you'll get the coverage you want and healthcare you need. If your employer doesn't supply healthcare coverage and you don't qualify for Medicare or Medicaid, you need to give us a call right now. Private health care is private health insurance for ages 65 and under with medical, dental, vision, and even prescription coverage. When life comes at you unexpectedly, you need to be ready. And health insurance is your financial safety net. If you're looking for health coverage at the best price and your annual household income is 35000 or more, give us a call at 800-664-2612. That's 800-664-2612. 800-664-2612. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk markets with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst for Robo AgriFinance. Steve, hope you had a good Easter. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you. I hope you all had a good Easter, too. A happy Monday morning after Easter. Yeah, now did the market start looking a little more closely at planting i mean we still we're still in april and there's still we know there's still time but do they start focusing a little bit more on just uh, maybe those weekly uh planting numbers oh i think so i mean you're now basically you're you know from a from a calendar perspective you're almost at the first of may you're, you got easter behind us um you know in, in around here in st louis and talking to folks you know people aren't in the fields here and i think as we go north of here there's you know it's very spotty uh, I suspect that's probably the case around you as well there in Jacksonville. Um, mm-hmm. But it's just, you know, it's, the market's going to have to start thinking about that a little bit and think about, okay, what does this mean 
for corn, soybean acres, and how does that all match out? And I do think the market's anticipating that switch from from a few less corn acres to a few more bean acres. Uh, but that's a tough switch too, because when you start to look at the crop budgets, you do have potential for some profitability. And I'm not saying it's wildly profit for corn, and that's assuming everything goes and you get the yields and everything's good. But when you look at the bean numbers and you start thinking about beans, the profitability there just isn't there in almost any un, almost any circumstances unless you get wildly you know very large yields. So it is the market will start thinking about that. But the market's also, as we've talked before, in the back of its mind, it's sitting there thinking, "Well, I've got two billion bushels of corn carry out, and I've got nearly a billion bushels of bean carry out." Which the which there is some chatter in the market that we could see a billion bushel carry out on beans in the next. Um, in the next S and D, or in the, at least during the May S in the May S and D, so the markets look at that and go on. I don't see any reason to get excited because I've got I've got plenty of stocks to get me through a lot of ups and downs. So you do see potential, and and, and you look at the counter. This is the time where you do see markets tend to rally a little bit uh, because one, they're not getting grain out of the country and they're trying to coax out of the country. Uh, so futures will see a little bit of that, but basis is going to do a lot of that work for you this year, and that's where your opportunities going to be. Always a lot of angst and anxiety about marketing a crop you've not yet grown, especially for some this year with so many question marks here in the springtime. Yeah, there is a lot of angst about that. But as we always remind people, you know, unless you're in a prevent plant situation, and we have, you know, we have friends and colleagues who are in that situation this year because of flooding, uh, you've got crop insurance behind you, and, and don't forget that. Uh, but the market in this carry sort of market is giving you opportunities farther out to market crops. Your nearby is tough. Don't get me wrong, but you get out into those deep, you know, deeper in there, out in the into the future, uh, you do have opportunities that can provide a little more potential profitability to think about. And, and it is there is a lot of I think angst is the right term, but let's remember we have crop insurance and we have we know that you know it seems like. We are, the genetics have gotten so much better that the crops are able to withstand are a lot more tolerable of weather issues up and down. How are margins looking around the country? Yeah, you know, basis. Yeah. Really, yeah, basis. Um, you know, we do. It's interesting. We have seen basis numbers start to crank. You know, kind of. You know, kind of start to move up a little bit, and I think that's the piece that you know I think we cannot forget. You know, we always get tied up in the cash number, or we get tied up in futures. And, and my 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 counsel, if I can use a, a compliance term here at the bank, is look at that basis. Always watch your basis because that basis number has crank, creeped up everywhere across the country, not just in the eastern corn belt, not just in the western corn belt, not in the you know. I would say the place that probably has moved the least is in the Great Plains. But you look at the heart of the western corn belt and the eastern corn belt, we do see bases and. Uh, corn and bean numbers coming up, first of all, because their corn continues to be sold out the export channels, and so they need to load barges and trains and vessels. Uh, beans is a little bit less um, to the upside, but the fact is we are still we are exporting beans um, kind of at the levels we have been all year, and so while they're not very high, they're, they're decent for this time of year on the bean side. So basis is where those opportunities are, and I would certainly be watching the river the river terminals, because that's where I do see the most appreciation right now. How much recovery and bounce back are we seeing in grain movement uh, after the flooding this spring? Yeah, not a lot. Um, you know, well, and I should, let me back up. I, I will give a, a shout-out to railroads, and this, some of this is anecdotal, but, um, you know, the railroads have lost some bridges along the way uh, or have had tracks washed out. They have done remarkable yeoman's work to get back up and running again. We have we talked to an end user last week that had uh, a major wheat line uh, that they bring out from the northern part of the Dakotas uh, washed, you know, part of that railroad was washed out along the Mississippi, and it took them three weeks and they got the railroad back and they're back on, you know, they're back on track. So I do think, you know, when you look at some of these places, they're well on the railroads are getting their act back together and stuff is moving. You know, the truck side's a little more challenging. Um, you've seen them as well as I'm sure a lot of our listeners have seen some of the pictures from western Iowa and Nebraska, eastern Nebraska along the Missouri. And you've got parts of I-29 
between Highway 34 in Iowa and St. Joseph, Missouri, it's all still closed, and there are parts of it in there that literally the lanes are gone because they've got washed away or they've been, it looks like a bunch of icebergs in a, in a river that, you know, broke up. And it, so it's going to be a while before they're all back up and right on some of those areas. But, um, you know, they've got detours in place. They're just a lot longer. So that, you know, I think that's the other challenge, too. We probably should talk about the river systems. And this goes with, the, with, the, with road and railroad and road is over, too. You know, unfortunately, what's going to happen when we've seen the up, the upticking in bases, that's going to get sort of muted a little bit by the transportation challenges. You think about the rivers. The Coast Guard, of course, or the, the Army Corps and the Coast Guard are very concerned about river traffic this time of year um, is anyway. But now you have, you know, high rivers, uh, good velocity in the rivers, and so barges will be, you know, will be diminished or in the sense it will be decreased in size and so that will raise your transportation costs and that will translate into lower basis levels in the on the river and up through the interior of the country so you know that's the other thing that's going to mute some of the upside bases just because of the transportation challenges you know going forward so it it is a i will tell you they are everyone is working hard to make sure that doesn't happen but we know mother nature is in charge and and she's making sure that you know we're not going to get too far ahead of her and so i think there's another you know and that's the other problem we got to deal with more water coming uh as we get more snow melt up north and we get you know get spring rains here talking with steve nicholson with bravo agrofinance and of course we can't have an interview or conversation without talking about china so uh sure. you know the latest reports are we're getting close but we've heard those kind of reports before but uh uh right. How do the markets view this? Are they going to? Is it a wait and see? Believe it when we see it, or they start to build in, or or how do they look at these these trade talks? I, I think it's all of the above. I think it's a wait and see. I want to show me. I'll believe it when I see it. You know, they've heard this story before, and they're they're not really taking the bait. You know, last I think last week when we talked about you know it'll be a signing by the end of May, the markets really didn't react much at all to that. Um, and you know, and that's the other thing too. I think. Think about, again, think about the calendar. The markets now are starting to deal with more things. Yes, trade is still an issue. You know, transportation is things to be watching for. Uh, spring planting progress to be watching for. You know, Brazil, Argentina harvest and, and the amount of crops coming off there is watching. So, you know, the trade talks in some ways take a little bit of a second seat because now true fundamentals are really coming to market to bear on what's going on. So I think think about that way. You know, it's, you know I think China will happen. When it happens is probably your guess and my guess is is probably as good as any other guess out there. But, you know, and the, and the Chinese have thrown some bones to everyone about, you know, everything from DDGs to, oh, we'll take more beans, uh, we're going to buy more agricultural products in general. But, you know, they've got a lot of internal issues in the, in the pork, the African swine flu, African swine fever, excuse me, is certainly one of the biggest issues. And we do see, you know, the United States is benefiting from that in the fact that, you know, they need pork products, and so there's pork products in the United States making their way to that part of the world. So there's... So whenever, whenever a deal's announced, though, Steve, I mean, it, not, it what doesn't happen immediately. That that takes time, a period of time for that to really kick in, but uh, uh, it would seem that the news, whenever a deal is announced, the psychological lift might be the, the immediate impact. Right, exactly. And the psychological impact is, is exactly right. And the markets will react positively to that. That's probably your opportunity to look at some marketing at that point. But I do think the fundamentals will come back to play very quickly and look at the market. The markets will go, well, we really, yes, that'd be great to have that business, um, and we look forward to getting that business. But the fact is it's just going to be, it's going to be short-lived because of the fundamentals. But, you know, as we've talked before, you've got other, you've got other, other fronts of trade to be dealing with. You've got the USMCA NAFTA to deal with. You've got the EU to deal with. There's some chatter with Japan these days, and none of them seem to be going, um, you know, agriculture's way. Agriculture always ends up being sort of the pawn or the, the you know, however, whatever you want to describe us as, as we're the ones that get punished um, for, agri- for trade issues that, shouldn't, that we should, aren't really involved in. We just want to keep trading our products and keep people fed, and, and we, always get, we always get smashed in the middle of that, of that whole discussion. So, you know, even if China gets solved, there's some other ones on the horizon that need to be solved as well, too, and get solved quickly so agriculture doesn't get, you know, um, tarnished with tariffs and retaliation tariffs, I should say, going forward. 
Okay, right. Steve. Well, we also have some news of the WTO siding with the U.S. over China yeah. on uh, tariff rate quotas for wheat, rice, and corn in particular. We're going to talk with uh, Chandler Gould with the National Association of Wheat Growers about that next, and I'm sure that's something that uh, you and I will talk about uh, market-wise the next time we talk. So talk Absolutely. to you again soon. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Mike. Have a good day. You too. Steve Nicholson with Rabo AgriFinance. All right, so we'll take a look at that uh, WTO ruling. Uh, what does that mean? Because uh, that goes back like over 20 years that China has not lived up to its pledges uh, under the WTO. We'll talk about it with Chandler Gould with the National Association of Wheat Growers next here on Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. There's a difference between field experts and experts in the field. At FS, we're experts in the field. Our crop specialists are driven to maximize every acre and bring the latest agronomic technologies and innovations to your farm. Whether recommending the appropriate hybrid or variety, nutrient management for optimum growth, or advice on disease and pest management, our crop specialists are always focused on pointing your operation forward. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, let's take a look at the recently released Ag Census. Joining us to do that is American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevue. I think farmers have an excellent story to tell in terms of uh, they really are the original stewards of the land. And one thing that changed from the 2017 and 2012 census, and this is 2012 was the first time they asked this question, conventional versus conservation versus no-till. Um, in 2012, conventional uh, was at the top, followed by conservation and no-till. In the 2017, um, no-till was the highest, followed by conservation, and then uh, conventional was the lowest. So you're definitely seeing uh, more farms utilize uh, environmentally friendly practices. Uh, additionally, one that was captured was cover crop. Uh, amount of acres uh, planted with cover crops increased by 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. Did you know you can listen to the latest podcast of Adams on Agriculture or hear the top news and weekend review from the American Ag Network on your Amazon Alexa? Play my flash briefing. Use the Alexa app to search for the podcast you want to play. Search for Adams on Agriculture to learn about the issues affecting agriculture each weekday. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Again. Or you can search for the American Ag Network. This is the American Ag Network Week in Review. I'm Sabrina Hill. Stay up to date on agriculture with the sound of your voice on your Amazon device. 
Do you know how to keep food safe at home? Clean, separate, cook, and chill. The easy lessons of clean, separate, cook, and chill will help you protect your family and be food safe. Clean. Wash hands and utensils to avoid spreading bacteria when preparing food. Separate. Use different cutting boards for meat, poultry, seafood, and veggies. Cook. You can't tell it's done by how it looks. Always use a food thermometer. Chill. Keep the fridge at 40 degrees or below to keep bacteria from growing. Food safety risks at home are more common than most people think. The USDA is your partner in being food safe. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. For more information, visit BeFoodSafe.gov or call 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. The World Trade Organization last week sided with the U.S. in its complaint that China had not fulfilled its uh, commitments made nearly 20 years ago to buy billions of dollars of wheat, rice, and corn through what's called tariff rate quotas. China agreed to set up that system of TRQs, tariff rate quotas, uh, during its entry into the WTO back in 2001. The U.S. claiming for years now that China never lived up to that promise. Now the WTO has uh, agreed. What does this mean moving forward? Let's get some reaction from Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Chandler, thanks for joining us. Uh, what What's your reaction to this WTO ruling? Well, this is a, a significant win for the U.S. wheat farmer and, and just U.S. farmers in, in general. Uh, you know, this is the second victory that we've had on this particular WTO case. And as you mentioned, uh, ever since 2001, when China joined the WTO, uh, they immediately started to violate their tariff rate quotas or not importing as much wheat, uh, uh, corn, and rice from the United States as they have agreed to, which has roughly cost, uh, you know, our producers about $3.5 billion just in 2015 alone. They're also lagging in their reporting uh, to USTR. So that's the most up-to-date data that we have right now. But regardless, uh, this is our second big win in the WTO case against China to level out the playing, uh, playing field for our U.S. wheat growers. Okay, so the ruling is a win for the U.S., but only if China actually uh, you know, follows through or adheres to the, the, the ruling. Any indication about that? Well, so China still has a few more options that they are left uh, at the WTO. Uh, I would be surprised if China did not exhaust all of those uh, accesses or all, all those abilities. Uh, they can, of course, take this to the appellate body, uh, which has got some uh, issues there because we haven't backfilled uh, our own U.S. representatives there. But there's still a few more steps they can take there. But the fact that we've already had two significant wins, I feel very confident that, that if they do appeal this, uh, to the WTO appellate body that we will win there. And then it will come down to uh, China either changes their domestic laws or uh, basically kind of, kind of like what happened with the U.S. and Brazil, uh, they will have to start paying us for damages due to lost markets uh, for our U.S. wheat farmers who have been unable to export to China. Chandler, could this be somehow worked into the uh, trade agreement, the, the, the trade talks that are going on with China? Most definitely. This is this win could have not come at a better time, as we are currently, you know, the USTR and our ambassador Greg Dowd uh, is currently negotiating right now uh, with the, with China on the purchase of U.S. and agricultural commodities, uh, wheat being a primary uh, uh, commodity that they are discussing. This just gives us additional leverage, saying, "Look, the World Trade Organization says that you're not complying. Uh, you have got these obligations that you need to do." And so this should definitely help us as we move forward in those negotiations that we are hoping will wrap up in the next few weeks. Because what we do know is when China does buy wheat from the United States, it's usually between the months of March and June. 
Well, you and I know we're sitting here in the middle of April, and so if we could get this negotiating done, use this WTO ruling as additional leverage, hopefully we could get some wheat moved into China this year, uh, unlike last year. We're talking with Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Uh, Chandler, you know, we've we've heard during these trade talks with China that a big part of it will be compliance and making sure that uh, both sides uh, uh, follow whatever deal is agreed to. This is an example of why that's such an important issue. Most definitely. You know, um, uh, I'm going to compare it to a case that the United States lost. You know, we lost a WTO case against Brazil, and until we were able to get uh, our domestic laws changed, we ended up having to make payments to Brazil for not being in compliance with WTO. And so once all of those avenues are exhausted, uh, again, I, I feel very confident the U.S. will continue to win. China will be given a certain time frame to change their domestic policies. Right now, it's estimated they are subsidizing their U.S. Uh, their, their Chinese wheat growers at about $10.40 a bushel. Uh, I know everybody in your listening area, as well as all of our wheat growers that we represent across the U.S., huh, we would like to be getting $5 a bushel right now, much less um, $10.40. Um, and if they don't meet that internal deadline to change their domestic laws, then we will be able to uh, levy basically a fine that they will owe the United States until they come into compliance that will be equal to basically what they're not meeting through their tariff rate quotas. So we watched this issue as well as the ongoing trade talks with China, and there's been so much discussion about soybeans, of course, and now uh, corn, especially corn products, uh, ethanol, DDGs, What it, also about the potential for pork and beef in a deal with China. Uh, from a wheat standpoint, uh, what are you looking at and hoping for in a trade agreement with China? So normally we, sh- normally we ship about... 640 million bushels of wheat a year to China. So they they kind of flip-flop between our fifth and sixth largest uh, commodity but uh, or export market. But, you know, as the Chinese uh, middle class continues to grow and their demand for high-quality protein, which the U.S. wheat producer uh, provides, continues to grow, we see that as an excellent potential uh, growth market for us. But last year, due to the tariffs that were put on, we exported zero bushels of wheat. And so first our main goal is to get that market reopened so that Australia and China do not come in there and fill that market that we should be in. And then two, also to have, you know, it's time to hold China accountable, which is something the Trump administration has been very good at. Uh, They joined the WTO and basically on day two never complied with it. And so if they're going to be a member of this organization, they have to be held accountable just like all of the other countries. Uh, that that belong to the WTO to make sure that we're doing the best we can to have a level playing field, not only for U.S. farmers, but for all the countries that participate in that world trade. Yeah, hopefully lessons learned right from this WTO situation will be applied uh, to this, uh, hopefully what's going to be announced soon, a trade agreement. Exactly. You know, uh, the the U.S. has been on the winning and losing side of these WCAO cases before. This is an important case. It's a win for the U.S. wheat growers, and we look forward to working with the administration as we continue to move through not only the Chinese negotiations, but this WCAO case. All right, Chandler, thank you very much. Thank you. Appreciate being on your show. Chandler Gould, CEO of the National Association of Wheat Growers. Thanks for joining us today, everyone, on AOA. AOA.